Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkan, and Dennis Dick with you this morning. Well, I guess trade talks are going well because everything is up, oil up. Uh, no thanks to, actually because of an uh, overnight uh, attack on an oil tanker. But trade talks are going well. Market's doing okay but this ridiculous market is continuing here so we'll talk about the moves from yesterday's session over moves and how we're shaping up into today's session again the analysts are busy a lot of upgrades and downs to talk about today so we'll get to as many of those as we can a couple earnings as well and our guest today joe staluzzi partner and co-founder of theme is trading market structure expert he would join us at 8 35 Joel, give us some overnight levels here if you can. <laughs> Pre-market high, that's what I'm going to give you, is 29.74. Uh, if you're looking for targets beyond that, your September 30th close, the close to end September, 78.50, 29.78.50. And then you got some daily highs up there, 86 and a quarter. And then we had multiple highs at the 29.95 area. See if we can get there today. Uh, crude in the green by 83 cents. A uh, little bombing of an Iran oil tanker has uh, crude back up off the $52 area. Gold, who needs to own gold when the market's up down 1220 at 1488.70? Silver down a dime at 1750. Bitcoin in the red down 295. Let's bring in Triple D and see what he thinks to this rally. Uh, I don't think too much of it, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm hedged my trading portfolio, so I'm okay there. I mean, it's three days. We're straight up since the China talks apparently had broken down. And then the White House obviously said other things. Trump propped the market up again yesterday with his comments. The talks went very well. So we've had back-to-back days of comments uh, from the White House and Trump saying that the talks are going very, very well. Is it true? That is still the question to be determined. Does over the weekend, does China come out and say, no, talks didn't go well? Because if they come and do that, we'll be down 500 points. So we're just waiting for the next headline. The headline overnight, obviously, driving us up 300 points is that talks are going well. That's all that matters. Algos are just trading up 300 on talks going well, down 300 on talks going poorly. And we'll continue this yo-yo for probably the next year. I don't know. They're making it sound like a deal is, I mean, right now. The they really price, are. The They're really hoping that a deal is imminent. It's done. It's done. That really market are. is, well, there's hope. There's a lot of hope going right now. So just saying, if they, for whatever reason, China comes out and says, no, nah, that's not going well, or denies what has been coming from the White House, then we've got, you know, major issues. But China was even saying, I guess, you know, yesterday there was comment. Wasn't there commentary, Spencer, even coming from the Chinese officials yesterday, the talks were indeed going well? Yeah, well, I think more that talks are genuine. Like, they, like they, they emphasize that they genuinely want to work towards a solution. I think that, that was more the talk. Okay. Well, what have they been doing for the last year? Not hey, working man. towards a solution? Hey, man. Don't, don't <laughs> I, the I, I just... so crazy, man. Joel, it's crazy out there. <laughs> crazy markets. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would just, 
Oh, the day that we don't have to talk about the trade wear on this show will be. That'll be your happy day. That will be my happy day. We'll be talking about the trade war on this show for another year. I don't think a deal's coming. That's my opinion. Maybe it's going to, but I don't think we got a deal imminent. This market sure thinks so. Because since we sold off on the headline, and this was just two nights ago, when we got down to 288 on the spot, 100 points. Yeah, on the headline, we have now rallied 80 straight handles um, on the potential. Obviously, that was denied. The Chinese you know, had come out and basically said that the talks were not going well, and they were going to leave early. Well, then I guess they didn't leave early, and I guess maybe the talk started going well. But we got down to 288 on the spy that night, and we have ripping and ripping ever since. So you know, if we just look, you know, at the overnight charts, whoever decided to sell on that low is regretting it big time here again this morning as the rally does indeed continue for another day, another 300. I mean, it's up 300, down 300 every day. I guess we shouldn't be complaining as traders, you know, and this is actually good for traders. I just feel for the investors out there who are like looking at this market and saying, what the hell, what do I do? I don't know what to do. You know, are we getting a deal? Are we not getting a deal? Should we be buying stocks? Should we be selling stocks? They don't know what to do. I can't tell you. I don't know what to do in my long-term portfolio either. I tell you, I just keep trading the whipsaws though. So <laughs> I am not going long over the weekend because I fear that a deal is not imminent. Um, I don't know if I have the guts to go short. I wish I did, but we'll see what happens today. I mean, we still have a full trading day before we have to decide what we're going to do over the weekend. All right, I Little guess speechless. there's a. Tr- I know. I mean, what's it? What, this is like the deja vu all over again. So we'll. It's uh, every day we talk about the headline of the day as talks are going well or talks aren't going well. Just you know, it's like Groundhog Day. Remember the movie with Bill Murray? Great. Yes, I do. Groundhog yes, I do. Day, and he just kept reliving February second every single day, and eventually he mastered it. So maybe we will eventually, as traders, master these upgrade or these uh, you know headlines of China talks going well. China talks not going well. I mean, the algos appear to have mastered it. So maybe the human beings will master it eventually here too. So that's my thought process here on this crazy, wacky uh, week and Friday that we've had. I, you know, Spencer, I know you're going to say something, but um, did you come up with um, a topic for hot potato today? I totally. Oh I had my a, goodness. I had a few other things topic? on my mind. Uh, we can do a hot potato at the, at the end of the He'll show. He'll do it on the fly. You got one? That good. We, we can do one at the end of the show, yes. Do Spencer, not, coming not through in the clutch. That would have just been a disaster with no hot It's like what I look forward to all week. But I was going to say, though, if we're in Groundhog Day, who is uh, Ned Ryerson? Oh, yeah, Ned. I forgot yeah. about Ned. Yeah, yeah. What Ned. is this saying he was saying every morning when he walked yeah. through? Fail. Phil Connors is uh, <laughs> the whole thing, but he says it like times. Watch out for that first step. It's yeah. a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great flick. Phil <laughs> loves it when we talk movie. Right, but Dennis, can, can, can you at least feel better this morning knowing that, as you said on the pre-market show, things are doing what they're supposed to do, right? So the TLT yes. is, is, trading, uh, is trading down here. The banks are, are inverse to that. So that tells at least it, it'll be a normal day, right? This is a textbook day for, you know, Dow up 300, S&P's up 30, slash. Um, this is a textbook day. And what I mean by that is I'm seeing everything going green. I'm seeing gold deeply in the red. And I'm seeing TLT deeply in the red. So everything is normal when I'm looking at it from that perspective. So very normal day. What is very interesting is I have about 100 S&P stocks that I keep on my screen all the time. 
The only ones that are in the red on my screen right now, the only ones in the red are the gold stocks. I am 100% green on all the other stocks on my screen, which is incredible. You don't see, you usually see one or two, maybe somebody caught a downgrade, you know, of these main stocks. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, and there is some downgrades there today, but I'm talking of the S&Ps here. Uh, I got them all green. You know, maybe there's an S&P stock that is in the red that isn't, a, that isn't a gold stock, but I don't have one on my screen here. We did have Square that was initiated with a, a sell at Namira, but it also got a buy rating from another broker. So that's keeping that one in the green. Otherwise, that would be uh, one of those. And we do have, I, I, do, I do look at those pot stocks and the pot stocks, man, they've been really hit hard. CGC down here again this morning. It gets a downgrade to sell, I believe, from Jefferies, going from my memory here. But I mean, for the most part, most stocks are up. So we can go anywhere. I would like to talk to pot stocks eventually. And no, yeah, I don't let's want to start with, uh... with a Debbie Downer, though. Because the pot stocks, you know, if there's any stock sector that has been the weakest, it has been this pot sector. We've been all over this. We've been, you know, on the sell button here on CGC since $35, $40. You know, maybe even from $55, but I know the guts to sell one's going straight up. Now it's 20 bucks. It's downgraded to sell here. Who, who's downgraded this morning, Spencer? Do you have it? Uh, yeah, I have to pull it's up. It's downgraded Jeffries to underweight. That's their equivalent of sell. I have it in front of me from the pro. So Jeffrey's downgrading. It's going to the, go to the, the, the $20. It's right there at critical support, the two zero. But I mean, the trend on these things, these things can't even go up on updates now anymore. And yesterday, the catalyst was HEXO, H-E-X-O, because it was a disaster earnings report. And that brought down every pot stock in the sector. But think about the tape yesterday and every stock performing well. And then you look at those pot stocks and they're all straight down. GWPH being the exception because it's more of a pharmaceutical play. It's still, I believe, best in Brie. And I still, that's the only one I think that isn't going, you know, to continue this, you know, straight down parade here. But, you know, they are oversold. They're due for a bounce. But I think still when you look at these six months from now, I think they're lower again. I don't know what to say about just uh, it is so ugly. growth. I mean, I wonder what Constellation Brands is thinking. Uh, oh, then we already know what they're thinking. They regret the purchase. I mean, they were trying to write some of it off the last quarter. Were they not? Wasn't there a big charge for CGC last quarter? And they were trying to keep, kick that out of the earnings? Spencer, am I right? Did I make that up? From Constellation? No, you didn't make that up. Yeah, they, they said something. And they were trying to do it X like taking that part out. No, 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 no. It was um. What was it? It was something it was, about the earnings, and they had was, one with const, one with CGC, and one without. Yeah, well, that's it. They just, on the numbers. Well, that's it right there. Yeah, so they're trying. They tried to remove some of the numbers from CGC because it's such an epic disaster for them. I mean, they they overpaid. They bought it. You know, they overpaid. That's the bottom line. And everybody got excited. The thing's twenty dollars now, and they regret it. So if you think there's other companies that are coming here and going to start scooping all these up on the cheap, I don't think so. I think they're all scared. I, again, it's the same story. The valuations don't make any sense. They never did. It was just a story, and the story is broken. They're worth something. These stocks aren't zeros. They still are viable companies that, you know, you know do some of them are going to make some money. But they're not going to make the money that their valuations demanded, and that's why they continue to roll down. But, you know, we don't need to talk the Debbie Down or the pot stock sector. Nope. Uh, let's go talk to everything else. Because everything else is ripping here this morning. We got. I'll say eighteen ninety three though. If a, if anybody's looking for a monthly level in CGC, uh, if you've been waiting for that uh, under nineteen print, April two thousand eighteen, you had an eighteen ninety three low. We're just sitting at the lows of the pre market session. You may see that today. I'd put a bit out at nineteen if I was trying to cover a short on it. 
So let's go to the stock that is charging higher, almost at an all-time high. If it's not an all-time high, it's very, it's very close. It's within striking distance, within 60 cents of an all-time high. The stock that has, you know, this is going to show you. You buy good companies at reasonable you prices, you make money. This was a stock that everybody was throwing out at the end of the year. It got down to $140, $142, which is ridiculous because consider their cash, consider their, you know, that they've still got a lot of products and they've still got some growth going on there too. Um, one of the biggest positions in my long-term portfolio. I'm very happy it is, and it continues to perform almost all-time highs. I need to get to 233.47. Uh, Think that it gets we, there today? Uh, I mean, I'll go out on a limb and another 70 cents. I mean, Bill says yes. <laughs> yeah, at least it, I think it might. Let's see if it hit it in pre, uh, pre-market trading. You got to 33.50. So there's a zone for you, 33.50 up to the all-time high. Uh, the all-time closing high, which I also like to keep an eye on, that all-time closing high, boom, boom, because I know when we hit over 230, we pulled back a little bit. Let me see if I can, uh, I can pull this up here for Apple. But go ahead. When I find old time closing high, Spencer, you can move on, or Dennis, you can move on to the. Uh, okay. To the... So other stocks, we've got everything moving. We have some ratings here. We'll just go to those because they are ripping here this morning. We got RBC coming out with a note. They are upgrading Roku. They are upgrading t the Trade Desk TTD. Both stocks were trading up significantly when this note was released at four o'clock last night. They are continuing to rip here this morning. Obviously, the market helping them out now too. Roku's up eight bucks. Well, Roku, <laughs> Roku getting helped out also by a. Uh, Little stake there from Ken Griffin, a five percent stake from Citadel in Roku. Big pop here. I mean, it actually did not perform well yesterday because it gave back a lot of the gains that it was because it was up early in the morning and actually closed in the red. But now, when you get you know the two, you know, obviously upgrade and the stake from Ken Griffin, that's going to make the stock go higher. And the stock is up eight bucks here this morning, so it's ripping. It's a party time again. I think we're going to challenge the 127.41 September 20th high. What happens there? I mean, now if you're coming in, you're chasing it. When we were, you know, talking about it and saying, you know, setting up the trade for you last week, stock was 101, 102, and we're like, you have a low to lean on, two lows in the same area, and that's what you look at. You want to find risk. We had it in Roku, and that's, you know, now it's up 25 points from there. So now if you're coming in now, you're late to the party, in my opinion. But uh, still being said, if you're in it, I mean, there's no reason to just get out because the stock's ripping right now. Yeah, I mean, it depends how late the party goes, right? Oh, yeah, it could mean, go for a while. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm not coming in when the stock was 101 a week ago, and yep. now I'm going to buy it at 125. You're doing it backwards. you got to buy stocks on weakness when they stop going down. That's what we saw with Roku. Gave you an opportunity. Whoever took that opportunity, congratulations. I wish I would have been with you, but I did not. Uh, let's see. Uh, your pre we're right at the highs of the pre-market session. Dennis talked about the uh, daily high at one twenty-seven forty-one. That could be a good target. That's three bucks away. Things really open up uh, after that until one thirty-four eighty-eight. I don't think we'll see that today. And longer term, if you're looking for a target, you're looking at that fifty percent retracement. You don't have to wait too much. Uh, one thirty-seven. We'll call one thirty-seven fifty. Uh, is half of your move back from 176.55 to gotten single digits, got to 98.08, little double bottom there in the 98 handle and off to the races. And uh, there was an upgrade yesterday too, right? Yeah. Or, Who upgraded yeah. yesterday or two days ago when it went yeah. from 108 up to 117? Let's look in the Who pros. Was that? It was somebody that wasn't Boy. big and that's why I was like, I wish it was somebody bigger. It was, hey, McQuarrie's okay. McQuarrie's okay. 
I wanted it to be like Goldman or you know Morgan or <laughs> City. You know, I wanted something. Like that. I was greedy. So anyway, I should have bought it on that upgrade because it was waiting for it. We said it was waiting for it, and it ripped on it. So hindsight capital makes a lot of money. It sure does. But uh, trading it trade desk too. Yeah, RBC upgrading the trade desk. TTD. This is a stock that's been in the gutter. So this is a stock that's oh, this is a good one. This is potential to go because, and it is going. Because it's been in the gutter. This was two hundred ninety dollars. It wanted a vote of confidence. It gets that vote of confidence. You got a couple highs, pesky highs in the one ninety six, one ninety seven area. That I'm just looking. You know where I'm pointing now. One ninety five, yeah. before actually. So we'll see what it does there. But on pullbacks here, this could be a buy. Yeah, let's see. Uh, oh man, this thing is a wild one, and you got I mean, you could still get in this one up seven and a half dollars. Even I'm not thinking of shorting this off the open. Uh, potential targets. Dennis mentioned. Uh, wait, we're right back up from the highs of the last few sessions. This thing must have had a really weak close. Yeah, it did. Uh, what you get? What ninety four is a decent area. Uh, that you. Really, the last three highs have been right in this 194 area. So let's see if we can take that out and um, above that, hmm, 195.11. But let's see if we can clear 194 off the open. Also catching an upgrade here from Goldman Sachs is WDA. Why? Workday. They're upgrading this to a buy, and the stock is ripping up 3% here this morning. Again, here's a stock that's been in consolidation station and gets a vote of confidence. You know what? Stocks all look good. These cloud stocks that have been beat up here, they could go, man. Twilio too. I'm looking at Twilio trading up two bucks here, looking at CRM. The cloud has been left in the dust here on the recent rally, but you know what? A couple of stocks getting rating changes here can sometimes change that. Workday getting a lift here. I'd watch for some sympathy moves with CRM. Obviously, they're going to be up because of the overall market, but I think these are stocks that could get, you know, start to get some life here too. Capital could flow into these. Uh, <clears throat> Let's see here. What do we got? We're trading it to Up highs. Five bucks. That, uh, we peeled back a little bit. Uh, 181 is your pre-market high. That's only a buck away. So we'll see if we can uh, take care of that. And then what do we got in the 180 handle? Man, this thing has just been under 180 for a long time. Uh, there's nothing in the 180s. There's absolutely nothing in here. Until there's room one here to go. Yeah, one. I pull backs on this too. I hate buying when stocks are up six, seven bucks. bucks but, but if you can get yeah. it up three bucks, you know, and you you give yourself maybe the previous day's low to stop out. There's room to one ninety on this. Really? Yeah, yeah. It really thin, is. This then there's room to one ninety. I don't mind this at all either. I mean, these are stocks that were storied stocks that really carried us in the first half of this year, and then the story cooled off. But you know, in some cases the story is broken, in some cases the story cools off. In the case of Beyond Meat, I believe the story is broken, and that's why I believe the stock will be under $100, uh, potentially even by the end of the year. I said a year from now when it was 170 or 180, um, you know, and actually I think it went up to 200 after that. So obviously <laughs> my timing wasn't great. Uh, I still think it's going under $100. I went off that target. I think it'd be $100 by the end of the year. Sorry, two, three months. So I was saying, so I got two and a half months. I was giving myself a, a 50 two weeks, which would, I'd still have 10 months. I'm not, but I think beyond me, the way it's going could be under a hundred bucks by the end of the year. So that's a storied stock that is broken. In my opinion, the story is broken. You know, we've had as good a news as you're going to get. You got a the McDonald's test. Yeah. You got a McDonald's test and you know, and you know, they, so you got the big gun and you know, stock didn't respond well to that at all. Tanya, there's just overhead supply valuations. Ridiculous story stock that is broken. The cloud stocks are storied stocks that cooled off. Big difference between cooling off and broken. Broken means they're going to continue to go down, in my opinion. When they've cooled off, it means the story could get hot again. It's like square. I believe the story is cooled off. 
but I don't believe the story is over. That's why I'm long square. I'd, I'd like to be long some of these cloud names. This valuation scared the hell out of me, but I think the story could get hot again, especially if we start to make new highs in the market. These are the kind of stocks that will carry us. So keep an eye on all these on the work days, on, you know, and, and, and obviously Spinner saying Coupa Software. That's really performed well. I just looked at the chart of that, and that's, you know, right near the highs. So that's been an unbelievable performer, COUP. But keep an eye on the cloud because these stocks could get some life. Square caught an upgrade today too, didn't it, Spencer? Two, yeah, so you have, a, you have two analysts who have analyst wars here, Spencer, and Square. We've got an upgrade at Susquehanna from neutral to positive. Why can't they just call it buy like everyone else? Uh, neutral Annoying. To, they have to be special. Neutral to positive. Although I love you guys, Susquehanna. You steal a lot of business with them. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, who is the downgrade actually i'm forgetting i you know i can't pull it up right now it is namira is not a downgrade oh, it's no, an initiation sorry. at reduce and why do they have to so we have two analysts that don't use the word sell but they use reduce yeah but they announced a 49 dollar price target so that would sound pretty bearish and if the market wasn't up for 300 points and if you know we didn't have this other rating from susquehanna square would probably be down two bucks on this it's not, it's up a buck. So they're going with the analysts, Susquehanna and the upgrade over the reduce at Namira. But keep an eye. This is stock is in consolidation station two. I mean, I am long it. I believe in the long-term story. I stuck it in the retirement account. It's kind of, it, it kind of scares me a bit, but I believe it's a valuation that it can grow into. Um, you know, this is a company I believe is going to make money. I do believe in Jack Dorsey as well. So that's why, but I, I look at this and I'm like, man, this is not my kind of stock. My kind of stock is a lower PE that pays me money. <laughs> it's not Square, but you got to have a few, you know, high flyers in there. And I think Square could start high flying there again. Uh, but it's got a big level. It's got it, 63. It's, it's got to get through this. And it needs, this is a big day for it. Can it hold up or does an Amira reduce spook people and do they start selling? Because if they do and it doesn't hold up on a day like this, that's not good news. So it's a big day, big important day. For Square, I'm in from right around here. I bought it. I bought it a couple of times. I bought like 64, two million, and I bought more. I think around 59 or 60. So I'm averaging, I think, like 61 or 62. So I'm in from right here. I'm flattening it, uh, and I'm still holding on to it. Yeah, uh, just for, for kind of technical analysis. Uh, you know, Dennis talked about it earlier in the week about keeping things simple. I mean, 62, uh, 63. That was yesterday's high. But if you go back over the last couple of weeks, you had a 62.99 high, a 62.92, 62.85. So we're trading above it now, right? 63.05 is your last print up a stick. So let's see if it can hold that 63. I think this thing's got some uh, got some jets in it, uh, but that has been resistance in the past. We'll see what happens today. But uh, 63, nice long-term level. Things really, I mean, you see some other highs, but 65.05, if it really got ripping today, uh, that's your August 23rd high. Uh, continuing on this, um, uh, all these tech stocks here and all these ratings, there's just a ton of them. It was a downgrade, CrowdStrike, I believe that was gold, yep. CRWD. So it is trading down today if you're wondering what CrowdStrike's not participating. That is the reason. CrowdStrike's interesting around 50. I don't know if you're getting back down there to those lows. You've come down a little bit here yet, but you know what? This is the kind of downgrade that could get bought because you're on a pretty good day here. You have a lot of other stocks and sector that are trading higher here. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be selling this one down. I'm almost inclined to buy this one. Um, we'll see what it does. But if it starts to show some life right after the open, this is a stock that could actually turn around and close green. So just stay on, on this tape. I mean, if the tape holds up. So, you know, just keep that in mind if you're trading the CRWD. Uh, we're trading on the lows of the, uh, of the pre-market session. It comes in at uh, 5908 
man, if you really want to get this on the cheap, maybe wait for 57 bucks. That was your October, October 3rd low was 56.75. Uh, but I think you're going to have to step up it. I don't even know if it's going to get down that low today, but that's good area. Coming back on the uh, <clears throat> upside here, the bottom of yesterday's range was 60.40. Uh, but I think if they does this one of these opening low reversals, you could uh, easily see the close in this one at 61.41. And then you got... Uh... Deckers, we're just moving away from the tech stocks. Deckers sure. getting it up. We're going through all the ratings here right now, the big ones I'm grabbing. DECK grabbing an upgrade at Spencer, you got it? DECK, I'm looking at the pro. I saw it. I got my sheet here. I saw here. it and I didn't write down. Where are you, it. Spencer? Oh, no, I'm here. I, no, I was on Stifle. Uh, you could call it Stifle, I call it Stifle. It upgrades the <laughs> Stifle Nicholas. What's a Deckers chart look like? It's been a while. Uh, it's got room to 150. I'll it's say that. <laughs> I don't really want to come in here and uh, well, it's it's an odd lot to trade one fifty. Whoever okay. bought one fifty, that's getting a little bit excited in my opinion. But it could it could trade there. I mean, it's been one forty six fifty seven. There's an odd lot bid there for ninety shares. Um, so it is you know upgraded here today on a big day. So it could get to one fifty. I tell you, I'd almost be selling if I was one one fifty. One forty nine ninety two is uh, your high for the month on October first, so that's a nice one uh, above. And I think there's another high in that area too at forty nine thirteen. So we'll see. We'll see if that one fifty target can actually trade there with some stock. But uh, little little pop up in retail here. And then we've got JD.com catching an upgrade as well. JD.com. Yeah, JD. It's been a while. JD's getting upgraded at. 86 research i don't what follow. is that well i've heard of them but i don't know how influential I've they are they're influential on jd this morning because jd is trading up two and a half percent this stock's been doing really nothing i mean all these china stocks you know let's really put it in perspective you look at the um they stopped going down at least but you know they had a pretty rough september they gave back a lot of the gains like early september they ran late september they sold off so they stopped going down at least i mean the one you can always look at is alibaba it's always a great indicator too, but you can look at these, you know, HUIAs and IQs. They really come off the highs, and you know, JD.com is, you know, obviously a little more of a company, or like a little more sta of a uh, stable companies than those other ones. But um, it's come off too. So there's room to thirty on JD. I'll give them that, but there's a lot of overhead supply, so I'm not getting real excited with this one. Three highs just at the $30 area, 30.01, 30 and a quarter, 30.06. Uh, that was from late September. So there's a nice target for you in jd.com. And whatever happened with um, the, uh, was it the CEO got in trouble at Minnesota? Spencer, you know what I'm talking about? Was, that, was that JD? That was JD.com. Oh, nothing ever came of that. Joel's got a memory. He's me, me and Spencer. <laughs> no, he's got the memory. Nothing, yeah, no, that was, that was last year, if I recall. Nothing ever came of that. He, got, uh, he was allowed to leave the country, and I think that was that. I don't really know. Man, they pounded the stock. I think that's when it made its low. I think it was. How low did we get? Uh, at the end of uh, 2000. You got under 20, uh, eh? Yeah, 1926 was your low in December of 2000. It's a good example, though. Like, look, you know, this is how if you're Luana, you know, call a bottom, you got to wait till it stops going down. I mean, you could have called it at 35, but then when it broke down, you wouldn't want to be longer from there. But then it just kept going down and down and down. And if you're trying to catch the falling knife, you got run over all the way from July. I'm looking July, August, September, October of 2018. Stock just kept going down, kept going down. Finally, in November, we get below 20. 
And then we had a little rally, and then we came back down and tested. And then we had a little rally, and we came back down and tested. And we had a little rally, and we came back down and tested. It could never make a new low. So it gave you an opportunity because it stopped going down. And then it started to rally, and then it obviously rallied over 50% from that point in time. So the best way to play these things, again, when they're going down, is not be a hero. Don't try to call the bottom because a lot of times these things do continue to go down. Wait till you know you got two or three lows in the same area, just like on Roku. You wait until you got two or three lows in the same area, you don't get burned. Um, you, you know, you could have said that, but you know, back when it was 140 Roku, but then it took it out and then you got to get out. So when they start making new lows, you got to go. Just like back on September 27th, September 28th, if we would have made new lows, you'd have to get out of those. And, and just like I was when I was setting up the trade, I was like, you buy it at 101 and you sell if it goes below that low of 98. That's how you set it. You're risking three points and now you'd be up 20. That's how you set up trades. That's how you control the risk. So, you know, and, and so just looking at other situations where like stocks like CGC continuing to go straight down, there's no reason to be a hero. Wait until you got a couple lows in the same area. I mean, stocks making new lows. Why be a hero? Wait till you got, you know, a couple lows in the same area where it stopped going down. And then maybe you can say, okay, they're starting to show some life. There's no life in this pot sector right now. It's still <laughs> people selling like crazy. I mean, Aurora Cannabis, which was one I had in my portfolio for a while. I sold it at eight and a half bucks. I'm so glad I did. It's $3.72. I mean, and it's made new lows again on the move yesterday, thanks to Hexo, H-E-X-O. So just, you know, people naturally want to buy what is cheap, but you got to wait until you got some, a couple lows, wait until they stop going down. Because I've done this so many times myself. I mean, I just did it. I'm guilty of the same thing. You know, I did it on Sarepta and I got punished for it. So, you know, you've got to, you know, sometimes, you know, listen to your own words too, you know, on, on trading and I don't do that. So I was guilty of myself. So and that's why I got burned on Sarepta. Uh, JD.com, so, real quick no. here. Uh, you were talking about, you know, a couple lows in the same area. This one was weird. It, it, uh, it gapped down. This was, uh, and when it made the low, but you had two monthly lows, a nickel apart, 1921 and 1926, your November, December lows. So that, that's nice. I mean, nice round number by the $20 area. Of course, that's looking at it in the rear view mirror. But, you know, institutions stepped up under 20 or large traders and yep. put it in the bottom there. We're getting asked about AMD here. And you, AMD has been quiet, quiet, quiet. Look at this. Up 52 <clears throat> cents, 28.90. Uh, what do you think here, Des? You got, you got a load to lean on. Exactly. So I will say if you want to go long, it's okay. 27.43 is the low of the move. If you're buying it here, you know, maybe I don't want to buy it on a day that's trading up 3% or 2%, but maybe if it pulls back, you get 28 and a half, you risk yourself a buck. And you say, if it makes a new law on the move at 27.43, I'm going to get the hell out. So if you are inclined to, you know, buy AMD and you think the story could get hot again, which it very well could. This was a very hot story that has cooled off. I'm not saying the story is broken. I'm saying it's cooled off. There is the potential that the story could get hot again and the stock could start taking off. My one concern is that a lot of the other chips have actually performed very well. You know, NVIDIA obviously is right near up near the highs and it's your direct peer. Uh, Intel has come back quite a bit from the lows and it's performed pretty well too. Applied Materials, if we're moving on to LRC, LRCXs and Applied Materials, have performed very well as well. So there's a reason this thing is having some relative weakness. So I'm not sure I want to set that trade up, but if you want to do it, I will just say you need to stop yourself out if it makes a new law on the move, which is that 2743. So if you're buying it, don't get married to the position. You can try to play for the upside and there might be there, but I would be very cautious if that thing took out that low of the move. 
you know, I don't know when to buy it, but I'll tell you that every time they announce something with uh, Google, a Google chip, <laughs> that seems like was the top of the last couple of rallies, got it up to like 33, 34, and then it uh, spooked people at 35. But there's just a, the only reason I mentioned it's an opportunity, like when you hear yeah. this fantastic news and they, you know, they jam it on something over, you know, something that's forward looking. So we'll see what happens, but uh, quiet. And the fact that it's been a little bit of a laggard with the other chips. I don't too. like the relative strength. Yep. That's the one thing that's probably going to keep me personally out of the trade. But like I said, you can put any trade on. I'm going to, you know, I've said this last time on the show. You can put any trade on as long as you have a contingency plan and you know where your out is. So, you know, I'm not going to argue with anything. I argue with the person that just buys it. And then they say, well, if I'm down it, I can't sell now. That's the type of trader that will not last. This game is all about discipline. I've been in the game for 20 years successfully, making money every single year in my 20 years of my trading career, at least in my trading account. I know the investment account goes up and down. But on the trading account, I've made money every single year. And that is because I'm very disciplined. And I get out when I am wrong. Um, I don't wait for the stock to come back. I don't go in the hope trade. In the portfolio, maybe I do it differently. Maybe I should do it differently in the portfolio, but we're talking trading here right now. You put any trade on as long as you have an out. Let's do one. Uh, we do have a couple earnings here, and we kind of glossed over them, but uh, let's do um, APHA and Fastenal trading up $3. Not for that earnings? Well, let's do one of them because it's 834. And we're okay, back. I thought I had it. Uh, did I offer you have earnings? I didn't know that. Uh, uh, free and uh, yes, too. uh, did they have earnings? They were, well, on I don't, the I don't know where Joel's grabbing that from. They I didn't on, know they did. I thought they were on the calendar, but I don't see them. What's no, the, I don't think so. I don't think they had earnings. Let's do no, fast, no, no. fast and all this morning. EPS beat let's do the, 37, fast cents, all, 37 cents versus the 36 cent estimate. Sales 1.37 billion in line or a slight beat there as well. So, barely beats on the top and bottom line for fast this morning. Reports on the right day. This is just so silly, but this is the way this market is. If you report that same report on a day we're down 300 points, the stock is probably down. So reports on the right day and everybody's excited and they find a reason to buy it. So anyways, getting right back up, 34 is huge for the stock. It's getting right back up to that point, 34.09. That would be uh, a major resistance point. We're opening there right now. I know and uh, that's it. Shorten, that's my comment, 34.09. That's a huge, huge number. Yeah, yeah. There's even 20,000 shares to sell there right now in the pre-market. Somebody's saying, really? I get out at that high. Yeah, they don't usually show that kind of hand in the pre-market. 34.50, you snuck up there earlier here, but I, I don't know, with 20K standing there, that's a big order. We'll, we'll take a look. So uh, what do we got on the docket here, 835, Spencer? We're going to take a, qu a quick break and grab our guest, Joe Saluzzi. He is nice. a, a partner and co-founder at Themis Trading. We'll be right back mm -hmm. in a moment here with Joe. All right, welcome back, everyone. Pre-market prep, Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick. Joined now by our guest, Joe Saluzzi, partner and co-founder at Themis Trading. Joe, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing pretty well, doing pretty well. So, Joe, let's get your reaction here. Um, commission, the, the brokerage fee wars seem like they've come to an end, right? We've got six or seven or all of them, all the major ones going, uh, getting rid of their commissions now. How do you feel about how this, what this really means for the average retail trader? 
Uh, I mean, and really, is it an end? Or maybe one day they'll start to pay people for trading. It wouldn't shock me, right. right? I mean, there is a model here for the brokerage firms where they're making money. The retail brokers are obviously making money. Free is not free for them. They, you know, they are making money on other things, as other people have talked about, whether it's cash balances, um, advisory services, but more importantly, payment for order flow is the is the one that everybody talks about, and it is certainly the most controversial one. It's not. This is not a new controversy. We've been talking about it. Dennis has been talking about it for a long time. This just makes it worse, right? It makes the the ability to send an order to a, a market maker or somebody who's going to pay for it that much more appealing for the retail broker because they're not making money on a commission. So what we anticipate, and I, and I think Dennis agrees, is that more of this flow is now going to be ending up off the public markets into the market makers because they're paying for it, because the retail brokers want that payment. And that might change the way trading is done. That might change order books. It, you know, we don't know yet. We'll see how much flow gets put in there, but it's it certainly, you know, there is there are repercussions. It's just it's not in a vacuum. I mean, this is something, yeah, obviously that we've talked about, Joe, on this show even in the past. I mean, there's hidden fees involved with this. Um, and the hidden fees can come in a number of different ways. Um, I was making an argument the other day on Twitter. Um, it was a great, a great article from the Financial Times talking about hidden fees. Um, but I've argued that, you know, these orders, so the retail orders get routed away from the public exchanges. And what happens is, is the off-exchange market maker can basically match the displayed quote. But what is missing here is sometimes the displayed quote is not the best quote. And there are hidden orders on the exchanges. There's also odd lots on the exchanges that these orders don't have a chance to interact with. So for instance, like if I'm looking at like IBM right now, I see an odd lot offer at 142.97, but the best offer is looking at 142.98. I mean, we see this all day, especially on a stock like Amazon, it's all yeah. odd lots. So, you know, right now they're saying the best market is 139.20, but I can tell you it's 139.27 for 50 shares or, you know, Google's the same thing. So the best price that they're matching isn't the best price. I mean, here's a great example on Alphabet, which is Google. 120 or 122072 is the best market that the, the SIP would be showing right now. But I can tell you um, that there's an odd lot bid at 122111, which is almost 50 cents higher than what the best bid is. So if you're selling into that, the off-exchange market maker can basically print your order at 122072 and doesn't have to give you that 122111, which is a 41 cent better print. So that, that's my there's an argument, Right. There's an argument, Dennis, about of those high price stocks, whether or not those odd lots should be in the quote. I yes. believe they should. And I think people are even talking about what is a round lot now. Is a round lot really 100 shares when you've got a $1,000 stock or should a round lot be 10 shares? And you know they're thinking about maybe changing that definition, which would maybe help in your scenario. But, but I think you're right. And I think that the what's happening is we're, we're starting to uh, – the public quote is not as as powerful as it was, right? It's not it's not necessarily the price anymore because of all of this intermediation in between the quote and and listen, this is a business model for the for the for the market makers. You know, they are they are going to guarantee quotes. They are going to put up a certain amount of shares. They do, you know, market makers do a good job at. I think for the most part, they're going to give fails that they say they're going to give bills. Right. And I think I hope that the retail brokers are holding them to it by saying, hey, if you're not going to fill me when you said you will, we're not going to send order flow to your to your destination. But I think it is still a bigger issue. And, and I think we've talked about this one issue, Dennis. Suppose you were the offer. 
You were the guy, no. if they decide that there's a five cents wide spread, and you could decide that you want to make it a three cent wide spread by placing city stocks five cents, ten cents, and you make the offer eight cents by putting a limit order out there. And now someone wants to buy your eight cent stock, but you don't get the trade because a market maker steps in front because the retail payment for order flow sent that buy over to the market order and to the market maker rather than you. That's not fair, and that's an opportunity cost that no one's talking about. Zero where the price, the guys. So where's your incentive now to set price? You don't have. And that's going to hurt price discovery, and that's what I, I'm, I'm afraid of public markets. And welcome to the small cap world. This is why the small caps are a mess. It wasn't the tick size. Um, you know, the, the, the tick size, the, the access fee pilot's going to be interesting because there's some correlate, there's some stuff there. But I mean, this tick size pilot, which was an epic fail for two years, it was never the tick size. What the issue in the small caps is you're letting off exchange market makers simply match the best quotes, and nobody wants to make markets in there. So you bring up these mm -hmm. small caps and the spreads are 50 cent wide on some of these stocks because if I go 49 cent wide or 48 cent wide and tighten it as a, you know, on exchange market maker, the off exchange market maker can just match my price. So the only time I get it is when it blows through me and I get beat on it. So what happens is we don't trade those stocks. So yeah. you have exchange. So this is why the small caps are a mess. If there's any regulators listening, this is the reason the small cap space is a mess. The reason the big mega caps aren't a mess is because you have other things happening there. You have a lot of high frequency, you know, uh, rebate, you have different things happening there, a lot more competition happening, a lot of more traders trading a stock like Bank America. So it's a different story. But in the small caps, yeah. it's a mess because of exchange market making. Mm -hmm. And I think, Dennis, you've made the point before, and we've talked about this, when we talked about the transaction fee pilot, which is still hung up in the courts, and hopefully we'll be, you know, the SEC is starting to collect data now, but you said, hey, it didn't go far enough, and that it should cover off-exchange market centers and market makers as well, and and I agree with you, and, and especially, you know, at, at the time, I, 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 mean, I kind of said, well, let's just take it one step at a time, let's start with the, you know, with the exchanges, and, and we'll work our way through, but now with all these free trades coming, yeah. Who knows how many trades are now going to be sent off to, to market makers, and then they're going to be competing on price, and maybe they're going to start increasing the incentives. Who knows how that's going to change? So when that much flow is now going to be shifted off the public markets, well, then you have to test, and if you're going to test for access fees in the public markets, you have to test for access fees on the on the private markets in this sense, and you should extend, the SEC should extend the transaction fee pilot to all destinations, off exchange, whether it's a dark pool or a market maker. I can I completely agree. I mean, this was a point that we made in the common letter back uh, to the SEC, uh, and obviously, so they know my personal opinion. But I always come with, when I when I talk to the SEC, they look at here's prop trader trading on the exchange, and he wants more order flow on the exchange. So I have a little bit of a conflict of interest. So when it comes from my mouth, they <laughs> probably say, well, you know, we're not going to take everything you say. But I mean, I just look at it from a public market perspective. I look at the small caps, and I think if we continue to drive flow off exchange and and we get our public pricing from the public exchange as there's less people trading on the public exchange those spreads eventually are going to get wider mm -hmm. yes now now here i think the exchanges are trying to fight back and you know they're, they're just you know the exchanges are so conflicted the three major exchanges are, are very conflicted in that they sell data and they sell colo and they forgot about i think their real job of matching buyers and sellers somewhere along the line but they've got the cbo's edgex recently came up with a proposal which just got approved which we actually wrote letters against i was against this proposal and i'll tell you why in a sec but it's called the retail priority proposal where they're going to allow quote-unquote bona fide retail orders to skip the queue to jump the queue essentially on their own exchange if it's a retail order so in other words they're going to put them at the top book 
say there's 10 guys bidding 10 cents, the retail person comes in, they can jump the queue. They're obviously going to, you know, pay for the, they want the retail brokers to send the bro those limit orders back to the exchange. They're paying for that order flow. Here's the catch, but, and there's always a catch with these exchanges. The retail order will be flagged in the data feed with an indicator indicating that it's a retail order. That is an enormous piece of information for any market maker, for any HFT. They see that, they know it's retail, and they know it's not institutional. Okay, this is order information leakage like I've never seen before. It's more and more, and they're defining a retail order as anybody who has 390 orders or less in a particular day. That's a lot. Okay, that's a lot of trades, that's one per minute, right? That's a lot. So <laughs> These are so high I frequency day good, traders. Right, I mean, come on, <laughs> who's actually doing that? So you're gonna have all sorts of more, you know, and they consider this, this is what exchanges call competition. They create new order types like this, but it's just messing up, it's even making it more complex, more conflicted. You know, instead of trying to simplify this damn thing, they just keep doing that because the competition themselves, you know, to get the order flow, the market maker's trying to get the order flow, but who's in the middle? The clients, right? And is it really good for us? So these are things that this is deep in the weeds market structure that most people don't talk about, but that's underneath. When you peel back the onion and you take a look at the market structure and you say, is free the best thing in the world? I say no. I say there's all sorts of games underneath which direct these orders to certain spots, which reveal information about the orders, which is how there's business models are being built, which is why the exchanges are, are, are you know, huge franchises. Problems here still. We're on the line with Joe Saluzzi. Uh, Joe, I just want to ask you here. These, these brokerage stocks were broken before this, and I know you can't uh, comment on individual issues, but what do you – I mean, this sector, yeah, maybe it stopped going down. I see AMTD uh, stop, maybe stopped going down. Uh, Schwab, who kicked off this bonanza here, um, is it just – are they dead? I mean, I know this is, they have other ways of making money here, but you talk about broken chart, broken stocks. Is the story broken or is there still some value here in, in, the, in this sector? Well, well it's you know, like I said, I'm not going to comment on the stock price, but it is a major change to some of the models which rely more on the commissions. Correct. You know, can they offset this with other revenue? Probably. There are other ways of making money. They are making money. Obviously, we all talked about how they're making money. Can they get an increase in payment for order flow if the market makers start to compete more for that order flow? Maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, certainly, you know, stocks react quickly nowadays, and, and you know, they, they shoot first and ask questions later. So I don't know. I don't know if, if their particular model is broken. I, I do know that the, the, the in general, this when you say free, it's not necessarily free, and, and order routing conflicts are still there. So, you know, and they're at the middle of it. You no know, retail brokers right in the center, heart, heart of the matter here, where who sends the flow are the retail brokers. Now, on the institutional side, we have the same issues. You know, there are certain algorithms for that institutions and brokers use that are sending it to the highest rebate venue, which is why we've got this new 606 report coming out from the SEC, which is going to detail order routing. So it's it's really difficult to, to figure out what's going on underneath. But, you know, these models are, are difficult. Uh, like I said, I really can't comment on the stock, but it's it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. What do you make of this, uh, you know, trade war headline that we get every day? It's a ch deal with China, no deal with China. These whips saw 300 points up, 300 points down. I mean, a lot of it's obviously algorithmic driven because, you know, you see this headline coming within, you know, five seconds, the S&Ps sell off 30 handles. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Just how are you navigating, you know, as an institutional trader, how are you navigating all this chop? 
Yeah, well, you, like I said, you see it during the day, um, and sometimes those headlines are, are – I think they're just being machine-readable news, and they, they react a little bit too quick. And if I'm a buyer, I'm taking advantage of that situation. If all of a sudden, like there was one yesterday, and the stocks drop pretty quickly, and I'm a buyer, I'm scooping up as much as I can at that point because I know it's going to revert, and, I, and I, you know, I think the headline's BS or whatever it may be. And, and that's our job, right? Our job is to pick spots and to make sure we get the best price for our clients. But in general, I think the market is, like you said, it, it's, it's range-bound right here. I think this will clear, okay? We're not going to have a trade war forever, folks. We are going really? to clear the situation. Really? You guarantee that, Joe? What's that? <laughs> I said you guarantee it won't last forever? I, I guarantee it. I guarantee <laughs> it won't last forever. Okay. <laughs> you know, listen, I, you know, it's going to clear. It's a political thing. And when it does, I think the market's got the market's been capped for a while, waiting for that. So we will get that, you know, that push up. You know, whether or not it lasts, I don't know, but we should get a significant push up once we get some sort of deal, and then we'll see. And then maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can go back to fundamentals and start looking at earnings and and growth and economic numbers and That'd get nice. rid of the political noise until the next noise starts, right? All right, Joe Saluzzi, partner and co-founder of Themis Trading. Joe, thanks for the time as always, and have a good weekend. You got it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Joe. All right. It is age 50 on a Friday, which means it's that time. Uh-oh. Hot potato, hot potato. Hot potato, hot potato. Hot potato, hot potato. Potato, 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 potato. All right. So, Joe is becoming a father-in-law this weekend. His oldest daughter is getting married. In honor of this glorious occasion, today's theme is marriages in business. Yes, <laughs> M&A <laughs> transactions, folks. That is the category of trivia today. Oh, Spencer, Spencer pulled oh, the fast one on me here. Oh, He's pulled, I'm he full, pulled I'm the full, fast full, one on me. I I'm thought full, he was slacking. I'm full of surprises here. All right. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I've only got eight questions for you today, uh, so we'll do four and four. Close your uh, chat, Dennis, because I don't want you cheating again. <laughs> I need right. an edge. He laughs. That's why I need an you edge. know it's true. When he laughs, you know it's true. Okay. No, I've been good. I haven't, actually. Okay, I've let's been go really ahead. Good. All right. Let me, right. Wait, let me channel my inner marriage markets. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, first one is to Joel. Uh, Joel, in uh, late 2016, Microsoft paid $26.2 billion for this social media company. Oh, give me Too an easy, easy. What is LinkedIn? L-M-K-D. Oh, ridiculous yeah. question. I better get an easy one. You, you will get an easy one. Don't all right. Okay. Um, actually, this one's pretty hard. So, so, so that <laughs> <laughs> Give uh, me the hard one. Uh, no, I'll, I'll give you a... Oh man, I, for some reason I gave you the harder ones. I don't know. That was an accident. Okay, Dennis, I'll just give you this one. <laughs> They're um, mean to me. The, <laughs> the uh, largest uh, M&A deal of the 1990s uh, involved a German industrial conglomerate, uh, Mannesmann, getting acquired by this German, I'm sorry, this British telecom company for $304 billion in today's money. In the 90s? 1999, yep. Uh, German oh industrial. Goodness, you're going back to my first year of prop trading. And who was the acquirer? Was it? Did you give me a company's name? The the company getting acquired. What is uh, in the German industrial conglomerate? They were acquired by a British telecom company. What was that company that acquired them? British telecom. Or 304. Well, at the time, it was 202 billion in 1999. 
I have no idea. Right. It was Vodafone. Oh man, I would have never went there. V O D is that still around? Yeah, it's still around. I would have okay. never guessed Vodafone though. All right, um, Joel. Yes. The third largest acquisition of the 1980s. Philip Morris paid 13, about 13 billion dollars for this food company, only to sell it in the 2000s. Uh, what is RJR Nabisco? <laughs> Brent thinks he knows. Uh, Joel, that is incorrect. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Dennis, do you want to steal? Give it to me again. The third largest acquisition of the 1980s. Philip Morris acquired this food company for $13 billion in 1988, only to sell it in the 2000s. RJR Nabisco was a very good guess, Joel. Oh, that was a good guess. They sold it off, too. I don't know. It takes too long. All right. Kraft Foods is the answer, folks. Oh, oh they had Kraft? Brent knew that one. All right. Uh, Brent knew that one. He wasn't even born yet. How do you know that one? <laughs> he, he was born. He was Brent knows everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dennis, for the majority, uh, this deal was the largest deal on record for the majority of the 20th century. It involved, it happened in 1901. US. <laughs> oh, 19, we go older yet. Holy cow, 1901. Yes. Uh, U.S. Steel paid the equivalent of $15 billion in today's money for this other steel company that was founded by a famous robber baron who got rich by insider trading. <laughs> 1901, Joel. If you could get this one, Joel. It, it, it was the Wait, wait. Joel wants to steal. <laughs> no? Oh, We're not good at the 1901 okay. mergers. All right. The answer was Carnegie Jesse Steel. James. Carnegie Steel. U.S. Steel acquired. I've never even heard of Carnegie Steel. Have okay. you heard of Carnegie Steel? All right. I, 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 I have. I have. <laughs> so in the 1850s. <laughs> we keep going General on. Electric. These are like impossible. No, okay, okay. Um, Holy cow, we're looking awful getting, here. Getting easier, getting easier. Joel, uh, the, largest yeah. deal, the largest deal of the 2000s involved what two companies? It's very famous, or infamous, I should say. The largest deal of the, two, of the 2000s involved these two companies. Very infamous deal. Infamous deal. What year was it? It happened in 2000. That, that that should be a giveaway. It happened in 2000. Largest deal. Think, okay, I'll give you another hint. Think disastrous deals. Disa well, there's a lot of disastrous oh, deals uh, in 2000. Oh, I know. Uh, did would you talk about this? Um, I know. Lucent bought Nortel? No. That's I'm close. Gonna, I'm going to say close. it's AOL Time Warner. Dennis got it. Dennis oh. is. That is right. All right. Since the disastrous deals, I was like, it's got to be AOL. All right. oh, America good. Online. Time Warner almost went bankrupt because of that acquisition. All right, Dennis, I will give you that one. One to one, I think. Yeah, after. these are tough. I got that one, though. Okay, yep. this, this one is to Dennis. Uh, th this one's a, a, a little hard, uh, unfortunately. So uh, I'll, I'll read you the whole clue here. In 1994, uh, Quaker Oats acquired this beverage company for $1.7 billion. 27 months later, they sold it for $300 million. How much did they acquire for? $1.7 billion, and they sold they it for- Throwed it off for $300 million. Sold it for $300 million, 27 months. I'll give you a, a hint. Uh, the beverages come in glass bottles. I, I know what this is. Joel's gonna get this. 
I, I actually no idea. I think I thought. do. Is it uh no, I don't know. Snapple? Joel got it. Very good. Joel, you genius, you. <laughs> All right. Only two to one. I'm in the pressure zone now. Uh, so that was to Dennis. So this one is to Joel. Genius. All right. Um, Joel, in 1996, GE. Oh, okay. uh, GE or, sorry, NBC. This to Joel? This is to me. This to Joel. This to Joel. Oh. I stole it. Oh. Why? Because you know it? Okay, go ahead, Spencer. I'm sorry. In, in 1996, uh, NBC, which is owned by GE at the time, uh, partnered with this tech company to form the cable network MSNBC. It, it was a it was a tech company. Yes, NBC partnered with this tech company to form MSNBC in 1996. Comcast. No, I'm sorry, Dennis. Uh, can you steal? Well, MSNBC was owned. Like a uh, G? It, it was a partnership between. Was it General Electric? No, no. It was a partnership between NBC, which oh. G owned, and this other company. Are you sure it's a tech company? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Because GE owns, own, owned, like. Yes. Uh, yes, and who was the, per, the the company they partnered with launch MSNBC? All right, you both don't know. Microsoft, wait, 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 yes. Uh, wait, no, Microsoft. Westinghouse. Westinghouse. Was, Westinghouse. Microsoft? Microsoft. Oh, really? Was, yes. Okay. So oh, it is so it terrible. is it is two one. Uh, and this is two last one, two question. Control. This is the last question. And it, it is to Dennis. So this is for the tie here. All right, I'm gonna win right now. All right. Tie. Uh, you can only tie. <laughs> that's so, Canadian, that's in Canadian math I win. So we know that Skype is owned by Microsoft. But before that, Skype was acquired in two thousand five for two point six billion dollars by this other dot com darling. What year in 2005? 2005, this other dot-com darling bought Skype for $2.6 billion. They're public. Still public. Still public. Who did the Microsoft buy Skype from? Wow, I really did really bad. Was it? Uh, These are hard. I, I, I guess I, it's it, not. It, no, no, because it's not Google. Just, it, it is not Google, no. Dennis, guess something. Guess a uh, Who owns Skype? Think of dot-com stocks that are, that were good. That's, that's my Amazon. <laughs> no, but that's not a, that's not a bad guess. Dennis, give me something. Tough ones, man. Is it a big company or a small company? I just get. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to tell you the market cap? I mean, what is... yeah, that would help. No, I'm not telling. <laughs> It, the answer was eBay, Dennis. eBay. Oh, no. Yeah. no, no. We need like the PayPal eBay and like these here ones. These so are I, hard. I mean, this is the hardest that. one ever, Joel. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> this was the hardest one ever. He really killed our confidence here. I'm gonna have a terrible trading. Well, the old now. 1901 takeover. I the mean, 1901 com- takeover. Oh yeah. man! All right. Hey, I was gonna uh, guess like. Uh, like a railroad or something. I don't even know what it well, was. Well, railroad would be a then. good guess in 1901. Those were big. I know. That's the only thing right. that was around. That's before okay. automobiles. <laughs> before we get final thoughts on, on this market here. Uh, final thoughts. I'm, I'm just so down right now. I'm trying to pick myself up after because, anyway, imbal- yeah, I want to give you imbalances here. So we'll go luck here. Pfizer, 141,000 to buy. Obviously, we're littered with buy imbalances here. 
Uh, JP Morgan, 65,000 to buy. Alibaba, 121,000 to buy. Even General Electric participating, 495,000 shares to buy in GE. AT&T, 100,000 to buy. Wells Fargo, 82,000 to buy. They're all buying balances as market is going. A target's 40,000 to buy. Market is up strong, although we are leaking here a little bit here. Uh, I would just say, if you're coming in stocks and you're buying now, you're chasing. This is the definition of chasing. I would not be chasing this move. I wasn't chasing yesterday. I'm definitely not chasing today. Uh, I'll just keep an eye on that pre-market high, 29.74. Look for, if you want follow through, you're going to get over there, take that out, five points higher. Not much until, really, your next daily high is 86 and a quarter. Um, if if you're short this thing off the open, maybe mid-range on the session, that comes in at 29.58. That's only 10 handles away. Uh, in order to fill the gap from yesterday's trading, you get down to 49 and a half. But that's just uh, that's just a, you know if you get a negative headline. But uh, Spencer, good job with that. I'll see you guys on, uh, on sa Saturday night, Dennis. I hope you can keep your health together between now and tomorrow. Shoulder night. still fighting the shoulder. It's trying. I'm healthy. Just the shoulders of battle. So. so you will not be doing your robot then. Um, to anybody. Well, I was doing a little dance in there, even on the hot potato. So you never know. I, I might I, get up I, there. I, I, think, I think what he's saying is we can't call on him to help with the hora. That's definitely what he's saying. Oh, the hold <laughs> yeah. up the chair? Yeah. 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 Dennis, can't, yeah. Dennis can't hold up anything. Okay. Uh, on that note, that'll be it for our show. I want to remind you folks to check out the Weeble WeTrader paper trading competition on the Weeble app. Win uh, $11,000 worth of Amazon gift cards, a Tesla Model 3, or 40 grand towards your student loan payments if you have them. Download the Weeble app. To learn more, if you missed any part of our show, catch our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please remember all our everything on our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing advice. Thanks to our guest, Joe Saluzzi. Thanks to everyone in our chats. Everyone have a great weekend. I'll be out early next week. I'll be out at a conference in Austin, uh, Monday, Tuesday, uh, and Wednesday. But John and Dennis will be around. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll be back with you next week. Okay. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.